0: We follow them too, and we have the exact same question. Join us as we interview the people that leave us thinking, oh, they get it.
1: Okay. I have to fangirl for a second. When we started this podcast, me and Kelsey made a list of our dream guests that we would love to talk to. And Baba was one of them for me. I've been following her for a couple years now. I was introduced to her (laughs) through a Shopify event that I worked at a couple years ago that she was helping to host and started following her then, and I found her so inspiring because not only is she an incredible business person, but mm-hmm. she's also a fashion queen. She's very transparent on her Instagram. She is very open about her experiences and her journey, and I love what she shares. I love how she shares it. So she's always been a dream podcast guest, and finally this summer, I'm like, okay, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to see what happens, and I'm so excited that she was interested in coming on. So yeah, this one's near and dear to my heart.
0: Ah. Uh and it also helps that she's just a killer interview guest like she <laughs> she's it. so good yeah so in this first part of this three part mini series we're going to go into baba's career history and I don't even know if she like hypes herself up enough when she talks about this, but like she got into Uber in a time when Uber was not Uber and it was not sexy and glamorous and all of that stuff. And she just trusted her gut and took a chance that brought her into working with Away, which as we know is one of like the premier D2C luggage brands Mm -hmm. in the world, if not the top. And then she moved into becoming more of an agency consultant. And for people that don't know this world, this is the world that I live in. It is no joke. It is literally living in a world of feast and famine. It is so hard Mm -hmm. to keep these things afloat. And that's just a maintenance perspective. Actually, growing agencies is honestly next to impossible. It is so difficult. And she did it so well that she ended up launching Ceremonia (laughs) kind of in tandem with her agency. And now is the CEO of a really amazing clean hair care product. Like, How does that happen? Oh,
1: she's so inspirational, and it's really cool how she talks about how purpose-driven she is in this episode, and the reason she started Ceremonia was because she didn't see Latinx representation not only in the founder space, but also in the beauty space, even though they are a very big minority, especially in the U.S., so I think we just need to get into it and let Baba talk, because she's good at it. All right, let's do it. We are back with another episode of They Get It. Today, we have Baba Rivera with us, who is most recently the founder of Ceremonia. Baba, thank you so much for being here. We're so excited to chat with you today. Thank you so much for having me. So to start, you've had an incredibly impressive career. Could we give a little background to the audience of what that career journey has looked like so far? I I
2: really feel like my career started uh, when I joined Uber, uh, although I obviously had jobs way before that. I actually started Working when I was fourteen, I yeah, it's kind of like Whoa. a very early age. I I just loved fashion, and I come from a very humble household where we didn't have a lot of disposable income, and my parents could definitely not pay for things for me. Like even going to the movies was a stretch. So I just learned from an early age to to find ways to unlock the lifestyle that I wanted to live and started working from an early age. And so, yeah, but anyways, I feel like my actual career uh, truly started when I landed my job at Uber. This was, I think it was 22 at the time, and I was super hungry and truly just wanted to be put in that work machine. Like, quite literally, I, I was just so hungry for... Experimenting and using my brain, and, and truly being used to my full potential. And in some previous work experiences, I felt like I was being dismissed for being young, and maybe also there were some gender and racial nuances to it as well that I wasn't fully aware of at the time. But I definitely felt like I wasn't used to my full potential in in many of the roles that I had. And it was an interesting time because. It was during the time that social media was still sort of like this alien thing. And they would sort of, you know, have me work on it because I was the intern and no one cared about it anyway. So we might as well have this young, weird girl do it, you know. But then what ended up happening was that. Social media became increasingly important, and for for many brands, that was the main channel to talk to their customers. So I really think that I was feeling that early on, that this is not second-class citizen type of channel, like this is the channel, and they didn't always feel heard in the organizations. So it was very refreshing for me when I eventually uh, joined Uber, which now sounds like a great opportunity, but... At the time, it wasn't. It was just this high-risk startup that decided to test its service in Sweden. They didn't even have an office when they reached out to me. They did not have a regional manager. And it was just like everything was super messy and high-risk. And it was a small company and definitely not attractive in terms of salaries. But... I just remember feeling something in my gut that was so exciting. It really felt like taking a risk with a potential very high reward. And I felt like in a setting like that, I could probably have such a big impact because they were a smaller company and the market that they were hiring for I would be 50% of the team to begin with and and it turned out that it was honestly the best thing that could have happened to me because I recognized that it, it's definitely not for everyone that situation it was super aggressive goals I was expected to grow the business 20% week over week and had little to no support and like no resources but at the same time for my personality type it was perfect because I am sort of like a learning by doing type of person, and I love to be trusted with responsibility. And then I kind of go into this like underdog mentality where I'm like, there is only one way and it's success, and I'm going to figure it out. So I feel like what I didn't have in experience, I sort of made up for in ambition and definitely in hours. I was working around the clock. I don't think I had dinner before 10 p.m. a single night. And I definitely would be the friend who showed up super late to people's birthday parties and would forget milestones and friends and family. And it's not the person you want to be forever. But I I don't regret it because I think it was uh, so rewarding at the same time for me. It was kind of like going to business school and getting paid. Oh, Um, my gosh. Yeah. So yeah, that was when my career truly started. And long story short, I mean, spoiler, Uber became huge. And uh, (laughs) it worked out. Yeah, Yeah. it turns out that it worked out. And more importantly, I was in charge of the Swedish uh, expansion. And Sweden actually became the fastest growing launch market for Uber at the time. So that put me on an interesting career trajectory internally where I was suddenly sent to different markets to host trainings with marketing managers and general managers from different regions. And I got to travel a lot. I was just honestly so excited. And I think it was sort of like the perfect win-win because I was not super highly paid, but I was super ambitious and hungry. And I thought business trips was like a perk. And Mm -hmm. it was during that time in your life when you just love all of that Totally. So, oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, it's a difference, you know, uh, whereas today I'm like doing a business trip for me is like a sacrifice. So, yeah. you know, every phase has its time in life. And eventually that success in Sweden led to a relocation to New York for me. And that was the first time that the company had ever relocated a foreigner to the U.S. Oh, and, wow. So that was a big deal for me. And yeah, I fell in love with New York and yeah, I continued to build my career here. I had a role in business development and partnerships. So I was naturally meeting with a lot of people. And I think that also helped expand my own network. And eventually I came across two very inspiring founders, Jen Rubio and Steph Corey of Away. And I became friends with them and I was trying to help them to find a director of brand marketing. And it was so hard for them to find the right candidate. And I kept referring people and and helping them. But it turned out that all along, they were just trying to hire me. And I didn't realize. So long story short, I jumped ships. Uh, After four years at Uber, I left my secure job to join yet another startup. And this was the early days of Away. They had just introduced the the carry-on on on pre-order. It was super, super early days. And I loved the opportunity to go back into building and be part of another sort of unicorn story. And it became a huge success. I joined as director of brand marketing and had the opportunity to build a team from scratch. And worked on some of my favorite brand collaborations. It was a crazy ride. But I think that's also when I started to feel like it didn't feel the same as at Uber. And I don't know if it was the company culture that just didn't align with me as much as the company at Uber did, or if it was just that I was at a different place in my life and career. But I started to feel like I wanted to build something of my own. I loved building a team, but I sometimes felt constrained by the company culture that I was in and the expectations that came with that to build a team according to, to those values. Right. They didn't always align with my own. So I think that was a big driving force for me in wanting to eventually
0: branch out on my own, which I did to start my own brand marketing agency. Can and, you and, and Can you just give an example when you say like they wanted you to build a certain way and it didn't align with your values? What were your values and how did that not line up? Yeah. I mean, I, and I don't know, maybe
2: it's just like a cultural difference between like American and Scandinavia, but it was very top down and it was very much because I said so type of culture and yeah, not, not much room for bottom up ideas and yeah. Okay. This is a crazy example, but I sometimes feel like people might not fully get it if I don't give a concrete example. But for instance, every single Instagram story was approved by the CEO. Wow. That's just one example. But it just goes to show, like, I don't even have the logging to our Instagram account for my company because I have a team, you know, who I trust and <laughs> yeah. adore and love, and that's why I hired them. So I, it, it was just different for me. And it was hard for me to manage a team to that level of, like, oversight. And um, Oh, yeah. You
0: wouldn't sleep. You couldn't. No, <laughs> I basically didn't. Wow. Oh. So I'm just seeing a theme here. Like, you're a builder, right? You come into companies situations and you build the processes and the structures to help them scale I would guess that that's very tiring it's very time consuming it takes a lot out of you do you think you'll ever get tired of building actually I don't think so it's really, really like this weird
2: energy I think that it just comes with being an entrepreneur it's like if I'm not building I feel incomplete yeah and I, I and it's a struggle because sometimes I'm like oh why do I keep hustling like this? Why do I just (laughs) don't like, you know, go to a beach or like just take a regular job, a regular person and work Monday to Friday, nine to five and call it a day and get those vacation days. But it's just not what makes me happy at the end of the day. It's like, in theory, it sounds nice, but I've tried to just not take my job to heart. And I really just can't. Yeah, I feel
1: that majorly. I, ended up leaving Shopify in July of this year. And it was kind of for a similar reason. It got to that point where, yeah, it was a great place to work, but I was too comfortable. It was too predictable what I was going to be doing. Like I just got that itch to just see what would happen if I pushed the envelope. So totally get that. Okay. So back to our story. So you started by building an agency.
2: Yeah. That was my first company. And I'm so grateful for that experience because it was really entrepreneurial boot camp type of experience. It was also kind of like low risk type of venture because I didn't have any external capital for it. I didn't need a lot of like upfront investment to get started. I literally just had a laptop and my own time and that was mm-hmm. the product I was selling in the beginning. And then eventually I built a team and and then and I love growing things. I think if there's one thing that people have worked with me can Sort of testify on is that i am not someone to maintain the status quo like that does not interest me whatsoever i am a builder and i love to grow things and i love to see things up to their full potential so it was clear to me from the beginning that this was not going to be me consulting forever it was sort of like that was the building block but the second i had a little bit of capital in the bank, I hired someone. And that's how I kept running it. Like the moment I I could afford, I would expand the team or I would get us an office. And then I opened a second office in Sweden and then we were covering Europe as well. And we had like a double offering of US and Europe. And so, yeah, I I love growing things. But I, I think that what I learned also during my experience with the agency was that I loved the growth part more than the actual consultancy. And and that's a problem because ultimately the consulting hours is your product when you're running an agency. So if you're not passionate about that, there is sort of like a ceiling to how long you can go into hustle mode and, and, and at the end of the day sell something you're not passionate about. So I realized that what I loved about it was actually not the product. Uh, it was the business aspect of it. So mm-hmm. that got me thinking about what if I take... All the business learnings from this and the team even. And start on a clean canvas and I got to build whatever else I want. Like, what, what would that be? What would excite me? What is a cost that would get me out of bed every day? And that's eventually how I started painting the picture
0: for what would eventually become Ceremonia. And you mentioned in, I think it was an article that I had read, that you were thinking maybe by Baba, your agency would be like a brand incubator and this is just how it would go you'd use the agency the consultancy as kind of the stability and you just fire products away when did that shift when did you decide okay forget the product incubator we're gonna go in full tilt with ceremonia
2: yeah so i i think i was sort of like in this you know where you're attached to something and no one likes change although like i'm pretty good with change i'm still a human being and humans don't like change so I think I was in this like justification phase or like almost like, you know, the, the different states of grief of like, I didn't want to part ways with the agency. So I was trying to make a triangle fit into mm. like a square. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, because basically my my idea was that, oh, the agency is my business and I'm so attached to it it's my identity it was my world and everyone talked about like oh it was by baba red was our brand color and the by baba team and oh that's so by baba it became just like this thing Mm -hmm. you know so i felt so attached to it so then i thought okay then we can maybe incubate brands and, and that would be exciting and then by baba is the agency to all those brands but then the shift really happened when i started doing all this research that led to ceremonia because that's when I really realized what a huge opportunity this is. And also how upsetting it was for me to read all these stats about the lack of Latinx representation, not only in terms of lack of representation in beauty, but also in the founder scene. Like where are the Mm -hmm. brands, where are the really big category leading brands that are founded by Latinx people? We account for 20% of the US population. We should be on those lists and uh, we should be in this, you know, big company roundups. So I think that just got me feeling this immense sense of responsibility almost that I have to mm-hmm. be that person yeah, and, and and feel that void in the market because yeah. if I don't do it, who, who am I waiting for to do that? Mm-hmm. And I talk about being purpose-driven.
1: I feel like once you get that motivation, of course, you're going to want to put everything into that. And it's such a worthy thing to do for sure. And can you speak a little bit about Latinx
2: in the beauty space, what you saw before launching Ceremonia? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, a couple of things is that the Hispanic population in the US is, is obviously very big. We account for 20%. But what's very interesting is if you think about the future generation of Latinx, because what has happened is that the Latinx demographic is one of the youngest ones in the in the U.S. So if you look at just a few decades ago, the population was very different from the one that we're seeing today. It was people like my mom who immigrated to this country and don't speak the language, maybe don't have education or a career. But what has happened now is that those people have had children and those children have grown up in the U.S. and they've gone to American schools, they have American friends. And we have sort of like this multicultural consumer that is new, that has truly not existed before. And they are now a majority within the Hispanic community. I think I read that 67% of the Hispanic population are under 25 or something. It was something crazy. Yeah. It's like the median age is really, really low. And that's exciting from a sort of future outlook. Point of view. Absolutely. And then just some, you know, statistics all around is that Hispanics on average spend 46% more on hair care products than non-Hispanics, yet are vastly underrepresented in the hair care aisle. And when it comes to share of the market, there is a huge void for uh, Latinx founders. We're seeing that less than 0.4% of venture funding goes to Latinx founders. And yeah, I am one of only 58 Latinas to ever raise over a million dollars in venture funding. Wow. Well, that is crazy.
0: I read that, my jaw Especially a floor.
2: for a minority group that is so big. It's huge. The biggest mm-hmm. minority in the US. Wow. wow. Okay. Well, I can imagine as you started
1: digging into all of this, it just became more and more clear what you yeah. needed to oh, do. I was like, forget about Bye Baba. Like, you know, I was just so much bigger. Coming. Yeah, this you know, know, is huge. absolutely and one thing that I've always found really inspirational about you Baba and one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is that you don't put yourself into any box you know when you're talking about your career journey you've been in tech you've been in D2C you've been in agency now you're founding a beauty brand have you ever faced backlash for that or have you ever had a hard time with trying to define yourself or has has that never really been a thought
2: Yeah. I mean, I've just always followed my heart and I have a a learner's mindset. I love to learn new things. And I think that's why I naturally gravitate towards new areas. And I love to connect the dots with experience from other industries. I also find that that's usually where innovation happens. I remember Travis, the founder of Uber, he always said, Uber was not founded by the Taxi Association for a reason. And and there is something to that. Sometimes when you're too in it, you're sort of like too formed by the industry to see it clearly and think about it in a new disruptive way. So I think that's why I was very fascinated to go into beauty because... I am not a celebrity hairstylist who built my career in the traditional beauty industry. I'm coming with an outsider perspective. And I think that that's truly serving me well here. And then obviously, you also need to be humble enough for the things that you don't know. But that's where having a team comes in.
0: That's really exciting. And I think it's such good peace of mind for people who are in their first job, maybe their second job, and they're like, I don't really like my boss's job, or I don't really like where I see this going. It's like, not only did you just change companies, you changed complete industries. How do you think marketing evolved from SaaS or tech to the direct-to-consumer product space, then to the agency side of things? Do you feel like these compounding experiences helped you hit the fast track?
2: Yeah, I definitely think that people are always worried about making the wrong career move, especially in the early days. And then you feel like, oh, now that I'm in fashion, I have to stick to that or otherwise I'm going to start over. But I think we're seeing more and more these kind of like cross industry hires. I mean, I think Eva Chen is super inspiring. She went from being an editor in chief to work at Instagram, like a tech giant. Yeah. Uh, and that's such a mutually beneficial relationship. Instagram definitely needed that cool factor. They needed someone from from that industry. And for her, I think she has a way cushier and exciting job than she ever had as an editor-in-chief. And way bigger impact, right? Like that platform touches so many more people than any magazine. So I, I think that there is something exciting about this new era, I think, especially with the digital um the digitalization, it has definitely enhanced that cross industry collaboration uh, to happen. Yeah, I think it's so interesting. And yeah, it is so
1: inspiring. Like Kelsey was saying, like, I have so many different things that I could possibly want to do in my lifetime. And it's just nice to see people who are going after all the different things. So I absolutely love to see it. Now let's get into some rapid fire questions and we'll try to keep them as rapid as possible. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do our best. So first up, what trait
0: do you most
2: attribute to your success? Definitely my confidence.
0: I love that answer. Maybe this will kind of tie into it, but what do you think gives you the most energy? Ooh,
2: I probably get the most energy from seeing things be done that haven't been done before or doing things in a new way. Like just breaking stereotypes and breaking molds gives me the most energy. Wow, I love that. Yeah, amazing. What advice do you have for your younger self? Mm, my best advice, I think, for my younger self is to worry less and have less of a scarcity mindset. My abundance mindset that I have today can very late in life, and I think I would have saved myself a lot of anxiety if I would have instilled that earlier on. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh.
0: Yeah, you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> What's the last book you read? Uh,
2: well that's a triggered question because I'm a new mom. So uh, <laughs> reading <yeah>. is like <laughs> I used to read so much. Um and, and then I became a mom and I barely opened a book again. But I did listen to like Audible has been my Oh my that counts. Point. Yeah. And yeah. um, what's the book? Untamed by Glennon. Oh, Glennon Love Her. We love her. Yeah. Yeah. Like I can such have that on book. repeat just as my like affirmations.
0: It's yes. true. And she's the queen of the abundance mindset too. Yeah. So. Honestly, that's everyone should read that book.
1: Yeah. Yes, yes. I completely agree. such a good one. What's a brand other than your own that you're loving right now? Only
2: my own. i not kidding. Uh, <laughs> I really love, um, I mean, there's so many brands I love, but if I have to pick one, say, are you guys familiar with say?
1: Yes. Yeah, the beauty it's brand?
2: A clean makeup brand. Yeah. It's honestly a very similar approach to our brand. Like, I feel like they're doing what we're doing to hair, they're doing that to skin. It's, oh, cool. It's kind of like a skinny care infused makeup brand with uh, very clean and sustainable formulas. Love that. Maybe we'll have to
1: have the founder of that on at some point. Yeah, I can introduce you. She's awesome. She will
0: (laughs) will be awesome in this podcast. Oh, that'd be amazing. Okay, this one's a bit of a curveball. What's one thing you don't understand? I don't understand time.
2: Like, I'm sorry. I've never been on time to anything. I think I was even late to this podcast, despite being virtual and me sitting in front of my computer. I just don't understand time.
0: Okay, wait, 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 wait. For everyone listening, Baba showed up literally like a minute 30 late to this interview? Is that what you mean by not understanding time, like increments of a minute? No, I mean, honestly, if you ask
2: my husband, he's like, no, Baba's like really late. I'm I'm less (laughs) late in professional settings,
0: thank God, but I'm still late. I just don't understand the concept of time. I don't know. I honestly, I just got back from Portugal and talk about people not having concepts of time. I was late (laughs) to literally everything. Buses were late. Transit was late. Restaurants were late. You name it. And I'm like, who's actually better off? Definitely this culture. They're going to live twice as long as I'm going to live and they're going to be so much less stressed. What's it all for anymore? Totally. Honestly, I, I sort of like
2: attribute it to my Latin heritage. My mom, she lives in Sweden, but really... In a different time zone like she shows up late to everything and she would bring me late to school she would bring me late everywhere oh my gosh so the apple falls not too far from the tree
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i being a new mom too that time
2: goes by so fast totally it, it's really hard for me especially I would say my Swedish friends and uh, Swedes are very punctual and yeah they take it very personal if you're late that's like a sign of like you don't respect my time as much as you respect your own and that's really not what it's all about for me. It's just that I'm terrible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least you're
1: honest. Last rapid fire question. Who
2: do you think gets it? Ooh, I mean, so many. I'm realizing all the people that come to mind are, are women.
0: And yeah. I love that.
2: Yeah, yeah. I have so many awesome women around me. And um, someone who I think is really inspiring is uh, Hannah Bronfman. And uh, she... I think has built such an incredible brand around herself, and is truly a boss woman. She's way more than what you see on Instagram. She's an awesome investor. We have invested in many companies together, and yeah, and I think she's a true female ally.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Well, so, this has been so much fun. I knew your story, Baba. Obviously, I'd researched. I'd looked at your LinkedIn. I knew the trajectory. I had no idea. Like the thought process between moving between jobs and companies and stuff like that. This has been so fascinating. So, thanks for taking us through everything. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me and for creating this platform. And that wraps up our first part of our conversation with Baba. I don't even feel like I need to hype her up. She's so amazing. And I know people listening already love her as much as we do. It honestly to me is so refreshing hearing how she's done such different things. Actually, I'm gonna rephrase this because really what I find inspiring here is most times when you leave a vertical or even if you leave a department within a company, you have to take steps back, right? To get into Mm -hmm. that new vertical, that new department lateral moves or even sometimes downwards, right? Depending Mm -hmm. on where you are when you're initially starting. And then you work your way up and then you kind of move again and you start from a step behind. She didn't do that. Every single move she took was 10 steps forward, regardless of different companies, different industries. I don't know how she did it, but that is inspiring as hell. It is so inspiring. And yeah, I remember early on in
1: my career when I was in sales and I hated it. And I was like, this is not my thing. And it was so terrifying for me. Switching trajectories because I just hadn't seen that many people do it. So I think I wish I would have had Baba then, but I think it's just so inspiring to see that now because who says that when you're 22 and you're choosing your career, that's what you're going to want to do for the rest of your life? It's just silly to me, especially when you're someone who has a bunch of different interests. Like I know we both do. So yeah. Just love it. We've got two more episodes with Baba coming up in this series. So next, we're going to chat with her about her journey through motherhood, which is super interesting because she literally launched Ceremonia, I want to say like a month after she had her baby Alma, something like that. So that's what we're going to get into in the next episode. Check that out in a few days. And until then, have a wonderful day.
0: Talk to you then.